We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for July 13th, 2008. And today we're going to be continuing the study on Todd Bentley. And uh, I do apologize, I kind of took a week off there. I had a, a uh, Christian conference I spoke at this last Monday. And um, my back was a little bit out of position at the same time, so I was, I was kind of... Uh, trying to get everything set with that and um, get over that little injury that I had. So, I'm going to be quoting first from an article uh, entitled Todd Bentley regarding Emma O uh, by uh, the Pat Holiday, And she says in this article, I'm just going to be reading some excerpts, but she goes in to talk about how Fla- Todd is now flashing the El Diablo sign, the Cornudo sign, the horn sign, the sign of the devil. Uh, a lot of people have been emailing me and, and commenting on this that they've been picking up on that during his during the YouTube. I mean, it's obvious he's doing it. Uh, I've seen um, the YouTube ones where you know he's actually doing that right now. So he's getting to the point now where things are getting more and more flagrant as the things go. And she goes on to say that she says Wendy, meaning the uh, co-founder of God TV, her grandiose vision that Jesus would actually show up. On June 6, 2008, it never happened. So she had made this prophetic prediction that Jesus Christ was actually physically going to show up on June 6, 2008. But see, that never happened. Turns out the voice that spoke the word was bogus. It lied. Now, if we go to Deuteronomy 18, regarding the test of a prophet, we will know that God gives very, very clear parameters for a prophet. And it's near the end. But essentially, he says, if what the prophet says is of God, it will come to pass. And if it's not of God, it will not come to pass. Now, it also needs to line up with the word of God, okay? So, there's all these prophets, they call themselves prophets, sometimes apostles, prophetesses, within the charismatic Pentecostal movement, they make all these mass amounts of predictions, and the vast majority of them never ever come to pass. What does that make them? That makes them a false prophet. In the Old Testament, it was punishable by death. If you presumed to speak a word for God and it did not come to pass, the punishment was death. But today, because there's no fear of God, and because everybody takes God so lightly, they just go around and do this and that. And this is one of the main reasons I came out of the Pentecostal Charismatic Movement, because I had received so many supposed revelations from God through other people that, that I really didn't even ask for. They just came up to me and volunteered them. And I can't ever really remember one ever coming to pass. So, <clears throat> she had predicted this, that June 6, 2008, Jesus Christ was going to show up on stage. Well, it never happened. So then she goes on to say, the chariot of the king never came through the Lakeland magical portal. And then she, and then she goes on uh, to say, uh, when Todd was chaotically whining, I'm not done yet, calling down the fire, call down the fire, angels, 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 he was hysterically chanting. Now, if you're on my email list, you would have, you would have actually got this video that I'm in reference to, where he's on stage calling angels, 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 send the fire, send the fire, these types of things. Um, he's invoking angels here, okay? which really there's no obvious biblical precedent. precedent. He's calling down fire. Now, I had heard he was calling down fire on his enemies. Me being one of them, I'm sure. And there was another prediction that we talked about last week, I think from Peter Wagner, where 
they were predicting that all the voice of op opposition toward Todd Bentley and his revival would be shut. Every one of their mouths would be shut. Well, we're still going. We're still going. Yet one more prophetic lie from the devil. Let God be true, and every man a liar, is what the Bible says. And um, it just goes to show you how false this particular thing is. Because if they were hearing from God, and if God was truly on their side, why isn't he acting on their behalf? That's the question you have to ask yourself. And then he goes on, uh, Todd Bentley's quoted, God, I'm asking, send the angels, Holy Ghost, come down, fire, fire, fire. They're just obsessed with fire. And it's really ironic, because fire is where he's taking his followers they're going to end up in hellfire burning for eternity. These people are coming out of these meetings in almost a zombie-like stupor state. There's something that is happening to these people on a spiritual level when they're going to these meetings that is profound, profoundly satanic. So if we go further, it says, Bentley and his affiliates are constantly pleading for fire to come down upon them, and even talking about photos that show fire upon people in their services. And I've seen some of these. I mean, they take the picture, and then, you know, when the picture's developed, you see the actual fire. Well, the only fire from God is the judgment and hellfire. And, unfortunately, this is a predictor of where they're all heading. Now, I... I pray to God that if it be possible, you know, they wake up and they get saved. But they are truly blind, these people. You can't reason with them. Because, see, their mind is made up. Don't confuse them with facts. That's their motto. It doesn't matter what the Bible says. God is doing a new thing. He's poured out the old wine. We need the new wineskins. We need the new move of God. Whereas the Bible says, to seek the old paths. Wherein is wisdom. No, no, they don't want anything... And so much of what they're doing totally contradicts the Bible. There's no biblical precedent for what they're doing, but that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter to them. That's irrelevant. They know how they feel. They know how their heart makes them feel. And the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jeremiah 17.9 He who trusteth in his own heart is a fool. Proverbs 28.26 There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs 14.12 and 16.25 So they're relying on their heart which is deceitful above all things. And that's the very thing they're relying on. Because they're sure not relying on the Word of God. <laughs> we know this, because all we have to do is compare it to Scripture. And in the second little part, uh, it said, uh, Did we witness a New Age initiation rite on World Christian TV? And they're entitling this, The Fellowship of the Ring. Like the Lord of the Rings. The Lion Ring on the third finger of Todd Bentley, is the image of the sun god. Now, he's got all these rings all over his hands. Not only is he covered in tattoo, he's got all this jewelry, he's got all these piercings, the vast majority, if not all of which, happened after his conversion, which he admits to. Okay, people said, yeah, you don't understand, he, he did all that before he ever got, oh, please, he did not. He did it afterward, and he said God told him to do it. Did you know that? I mean, why would he have done it? This is this is how satanically deceived he is. I don't even I don't even know if I want to give him that much credit. I think he knows exactly what he's doing. I think he is of his father, the devil, and of his works he will do. And he's on a mission for his father, and that's to take as many people to hell as he can possibly take. 
Evidently, those are satanic notches in his belt. What is it going to profit him in hell? What is it going to profit Todd Bentley when he's burning in hell, and he's responsible, and there's all this blood on his hands? What is that going to profit him? But the lion ring on the third finger is the image of the sun god. Uh, wizards wear rings on the third finger, which means the right pathway or the left pathway. So if they're into the right pathway, it'll be on the right middle finger, or the left pathway, the left middle finger. Not to say they can have one on both, okay? Um, I saw a video of a witch the other day uh, up on YouTube, and she was talking about, what was she talking about? Like the pentagram or something like that. And she had a she had a ring on her on her left middle finger, which means primarily she's going down the left-hand path, which would be more the dark black witchcraft, okay? The white witches would have a tendency to wear it more on the right middle ring finger, which means the right-hand path, which is good witchcraft. You know, remember in the Wizard of Oz, there was the good witch, was of the north, and then the wicked witch of the west. See, they, they've been conditioning us on this. Hollywood's been doing it for decades, it's subtle. I mean, it started out more subtle. Now it's just to the point where it's totally flagrant. So wizards believe that rings on various fingers will bring certain powers that they want to use. So she goes on to say, What was the ring that Peter Wagner's apostles and prophets and prophetesses placed upon Todd Bentley's finger? And that was this, um, this, this ring, I believe, that we're in reference to here. So just some interesting things. Then we go on to talk about the tattoos. Now we have, we have Bentley's woman prophetess giving him a word from their Lord. Some wannabe prophetess woman, about 55, gave him a ridiculous prophecy. She said that Jesus called him as a Renaissance man, explaining that was a period of time of great art was given to the world, such as stained glass windows, etc. Jesus supposedly calls him a Renaissance man because he is a walking work of art due to his tattoos. So Jesus is calling him this Renaissance man. He's a walking mural. That's I'm sorry, that's one nasty mural. Uh, I'm sorry, but that, that guy is something else. Yeah, Doug just brought up a good point. The Renaissance was actually a time of, of when humanism exploded on the scene and, you know, the denying of God and these types of things. So I'm, I'm sure that Jesus would use that particular term, Renaissance man. But see, his God would. Okay? So, supposedly Jesus called, their Jesus called him a Renaissance man because he's a walking work of art due to his tattoos. Now remember, Todd's tattoos are occultic images drawn on his body, giving glory to the Buddhists and these other particular deities that he's worshipping, and actually demeaning to Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at this in a second. It was so weird, uh, can't wait for that dopey word from her God to come out on YouTube. It's really a trip into the surreal world of the bizarre world of, of she calls him Odd Bentley, <laughs> instead of Todd. Then, Todd asked for everyone that had tattoos, this was evidently on uh, YouTube, Todd asked for everyone that had tattoos to stand up, and he released the anointing for them to take the world for Jesus. <laughs> so yeah, Todd, Todd's doing that now too. So evidently, if you have a tattoo, 
now you have a position of preeminence at Todd Bentley's uh, meetings now. Taking the world for Jesus. Maybe Emma O. will choose one of these new tattooed people to carry her messages of angels, 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 like Todd was screaming that night. Um, they go on to comment, I believe that every born-again believer would agree that Jesus is compassionate and loves every... Oh, he doesn't... Well... Jesus also hates the wicked. Okay? The Bible's very, very clear on that. And then it said, Jesus came to save sinners, and no one... And no one would accuse anyone that a tattoo that got it before they received Jesus as the personal Savior would accuse anyone who has a tattoo. She's kind of writing a little bit disjointed here, I'm sorry. In other words, if somebody got a tattoo, but prior to them being saved, it's not like you can't get saved, okay? That's the point here. We all agree that the blood of Jesus Christ is powerful enough to cleanse any, any and all sins. However, most people are unaware that Todd Bentley's tattoos were done after he became a traveling evangelist, and he said, quote, God told him to do it, end of quote. So I've heard this one. Now, I'm looking right now at a picture of Todd Bentley's right arm. Now, what he's done here, he's holding his arm up above his, it, it would be like if you held your arm, right arm up and bent your elbow back. His elbow is facing straight up. Now, off his elbow, it looks, there's all these flames coming off his elbow. Okay, it looks like a rocket in re-entry or something here. And then right below the flames is a upside-down face of Jesus Christ, uh, the, the typical portrayal, the typical Catholic portrayal of Jesus Christ. And he's got the crown of thorns, and he's, and he's, he's dead in this picture. So he's got a picture of the, of the, um, the Catholic Jesus, the long-haired Catholic Jesus, otherwise in the New Age movement, known as Sananda Emmanuel, and he's going to be um, one of the main ascended masters that comes back and deceives humanity. And he's got a picture of this guy, upside down, on his right arm, when, when he, when he holds, holds his arm up. And, um, I mean, you talk about morbid and blasphemous. Where are we supposed to go around getting supposed pictures of this new age Jesus tattooed on our bodies and he's dead to boot but that's what Todd Bentley's just one of the many tattoos he's got on his body so if we go further it says many will say to me in that day Lord Lord have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works it, it, this is the quintessential essence of what's going on in the Pentecostal movement in particular I mean, they're prophesying in his name. I just told you about that earlier. And in, in his name cast out many devils, and in, in his name done many wonderful works. And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. What they thought they were doing for God and were good things, Jesus said, you're working actually iniquity. That's something to really ponder and think about. Now, the Bible says that we, for we are all together as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags. Okay, so when we do it under our own power, apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, all it is in God's eyes is a filthy rag. And that's why they can say, in thy name cast out devils, done many wonderful works. It didn't matter. Because in God's eyes, it was a filthy rag. They were never saved. It goes on to say that, that they were never... I never knew you, it says. I never knew you. It wasn't like, I knew you like last Wednesday, and now I don't know you. It said, I never knew you. 
But these people get dilute, more delusional and delusional. They're, they're taken over with this strong delusion that the Bible talks about in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. They, and that they are believing a lie that they are all going to be damned who receive not the love of the truth. They don't care about truth. Truth is whatever they want to make it. It's existentialism. It's their experience. That it is, is all they're going by. They've long since thrown out the Bible, the Word of God. I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. That's Matthew 7, 22 and 23. The Holy Spirit and the Word will always agree. Okay, so if somebody is saying, God told me this, it better line up with the Word of God. This is called testing the spirits. It's quite simple, really. But you have to know your Bible in order to test the spirits. Okay? And the Bible talks about the Word of God says, you know, when I when Jesus leaves, He will send the Comforter, and He will cause all things to be brought into remembrance. Well, just really believe that, and read the Word of God, and when you're confronted in these types of situations, these verses will start popping into your head. But you have to read, you have to have, you have to be putting this into your system for the Holy Spirit to draw it back out. It's, it's, in other words, it's not just a one-way street. You just don't get saved and do nothing. And expect the Holy Spirit to just do everything for you. You have to put forth your effort as well. Venus Bereans, which were more noble than those in Thessalonica, because they sought the things out within the Word of God to see if they were so. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So the only way you're going to build faith is by getting into the Word of God. Reading it, memorizing it, these types of things. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. So... That's how important the Word of God is. And then if you know the Word of God, you'll always be able to compare the real things of God against the false things and have discernment to know the difference. Pentecostals I've been around always brag about, oh, I have discernment of spirits and these types of things. And I, I wonder to myself, if they have such discernment, why isn't God telling them to flee in abject terror from the movement that they're actually involved in? Because... The vast majority of times I've ever been around the Pentecostal movement, you need to get out of it. God's ministers will not twist the word to make it say whatever they want it to say. Miracles are not done by the person, but, in, but they should be done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, if they're going to happen at all. Okay? However, according to the Bible, the devils and the Antichrist will be able to do great signs and wonders. That's very, very, very true. In fact, that's the chief way that he's going to deceive all the nations, is through the miracles and the signs and wonders. And if it were possible, they should deceive the very elect. So see, the thing is, is if you see any movement right now, whether it's of God or of Satan or whatever, and there's all kind of signs and wonders going on and happening, and let's say there's merit to these signs and wonders, okay, that's the very thing you would want to like be the most apprehensive and cautious about. According to what the Bible says, a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. There, there's four different verses where Jesus talks about that. Asking, why do you seek a sign? You know, but see, that's the very thing a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1 1. Okay, so see, faith is the exact opposite of signs and wonders. Signs and wonders, 
That's all it is. You see it, you believe it. It's been done before you. Whereas faith is totally different. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Signs and wonders are seen, right? Okay, so I'm trying to kind of explain the difference between, between the two here. Todd Bentley claims that a spirit known as Emma follows him around and speaks and does things through him. Bentley claims that this is the same spirit that was with William Branham, another total reprobate from the charismatic movement. Galatians 1.8 says, But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, in this case it was the apostles, let him be accursed. See, all these people that are preaching this false gospel, this gospel that de-emphasizes Jesus Christ and emphasizes angels. I mean, any time in the Bible when you look at people that when, when angels appeared and they wanted to bow down and worship them, the angels were very quick to point out, no, 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 you don't want to worship me. Uh-uh. No, I'm not, I'm not the subject of worship. Okay? Now, we know that, that Satan fell and he craved that worship. That was one of the reasons he fell. He wanted the adoration, he wanted this worship that, you know, only was due God, the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Father in heaven. That's what. But true angels will not elicit or try to evoke your worship. Revelation 13, 14 says, And deceiveth them that dwell on earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast. Uh, in reference to the false prophet here. So, He's going to deceive them that dwell on earth by the means of the miracles. Now here, we're right on the cusp, or, or, or conceivably, very easily, could be right on the cusp of the, the tribulation period. And we've got all these lying signs and wonders leading up to that. And it's only going to get worse. And, this, and we know this is the chief way that all humanity, or virtually all of humanity, is going to be deceived. Isn't this something we want to be looking out for? Not running to whenever we see a supposed miracle. Knowing that the church is in that falling away of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. It's in, I believe, the, the Laodicean church of Revelation 3. That is neither hot nor cold, but lukewarm. And thinks it's in need of nothing. Yet it's blind, weak, naked, wretched. But yet it doesn't see it. By means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth, that should make an image to the beast, which had the wound and did live. That's Revelation 13, 14. And then there's Revelation 16, 14. For they are the spirits of devils. What's the next two words? Working miracles. Oh, wow. Devils can work miracles? Sure can. In fact, we're going to be seeing more and more and more of it. As we go into, this is Revelation 16, firmly into the tribulation. For they are the spirits of devils, working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and the whole world, to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. These miracles are actually going to gather people, you know, in regard to Armageddon. Not only that, but we have all we possess all kind of technology within the governmental systems to do this as well. All kind of ways that they can project 
holographic images into the skies. This is this has a lot to do with Project Bluebeam. Uh, one of the tenets of Project Bluebeam, which I'm going to be doing a study on, hopefully in the near future here, is one of the first tenets is, is they're going to um, have archaeological events happen in succession that debunk essentially all major religions, but particularly Christianity. So supposedly they're going to have all these archaeological finds that's going to debunk Christianity. Now, we've talked about this before. That um, Holy Blood, Holy Grail book and, and the Lost Tomb of Jesus and the Bloodline movie. This is, all, this is all getting us ready for that. But we've seen nothing yet. We really. This is only the precursors to this. I think they're just doing these things. Well, yeah, I think they're doing it to soften us up. To try to erode our faith away. They've already pretty much taken the Word of God away with their false perverted Bibles. They've already done that. But they're going to be doing a lot of other things that are much more aggressive. Now, if you could imagine if this was done in conjunction with World War III, archaeological finds, holographic images in the sky, UFOs, and then miracles by apostate reprobate Christians, but not only them, but all these other people in the New Age as well. You better have this thing grounded and settled now. You need to have your house built on the solid rock of Jesus Christ and His Word, the King James Bible. And no matter what happens, do not deviate off that. Don't do it. Revelation 19.20 says, And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet, that wrought miracles before him, it says it again, these which deceived them that had received the mark of the beast. See, they're going to use these miracles primarily to get everybody to take the mark. And if you take the mark, that's it, you're, you're done. But, you know, you could believe the Left Behind series and say, ah, you can take the mark, uh, as long as you really didn't mean it. That's not what the Bible says. It says if you take the mark, you're going to hell and you're going to rot in the lake of fire for eternity. Eventually. Period. Don't do it. Don't ever take the mark. Well, people say, yeah, but I don't have the strength. I, 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 you don't, in and of yourself. You don't. But through the Lord Jesus Christ, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You need to dwell on the Word of God and believe it. A lot of people that went before you did the same thing, and they weren't, you know, a lot of the martyrs and, 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 and the apostles, and, and these people, in and of themselves, there was nothing unbelievable about them. It was what the Lord Jesus Christ did through them, particularly by the power of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't about them. It was always about what the Lord Jesus Christ was doing through them. They were just mere vessels. Crucified with Christ, according to Galatians 2.20. Okay, so if we go further, um, 2 Corinthians 11, 14 and 15, the Apostle Paul warns, And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing that if his ministers also be transformed as ministers of righteousness. And that's exactly what's going on up in Lakeland right now whose end shall be according to their works. You know, but the thing is, is it's gotten so flagrant that Todd Bentley 
to the average unsaved person wouldn't appear as a minister of righteousness. He would appear as a lunatic. But people are so deluded and so deceived that they, they don't know the difference. There are some people that are claiming that when they're going to these Todd, Todd Bentley meetings, and I haven't really got into this, but that they're essentially imparting like a spiritual virus that is starting to infect wherever they're taking it back to, particularly if they're receptive to this infection. And I think we can, I think there's Bible for that in regard to if you go someplace and you knowingly go and you voluntarily say, yes, put the demons in me. If you put yourself under a man who is imparting demons, like Todd Bentley, I mean, he's got all the tattoos to draw him in, all the piercings, all the incantations, the cornudo sign. He's of his father the devil and of his works he will do. And if you let that man lay hands on you, and you're changed, understand, you're just probably, if not demon-possessed, heavily demon-oppressed. And if you have an ounce of conscience left in you, why would I say conscience? The Bible says, in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, and having their conscience seared with a hot iron. See, when you give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, which is what you're doing if you go up to Lakeland, or any of these other places where they're laying hands and imparting demons, if you do that, the Bible says, of whom a man has overcome, the same he has brought into bondage. If you're letting somebody like Todd Bentley overcome you, you're being brought into bondage by the spirits that he is imparting to you by laying hands on you. Whereas the Bible says to lay hands suddenly on no man. Well, he's just doing it to everybody. I've heard that, that he's trying to lay hands on every single person that are coming to these things every night. He finally had to take a break. I heard the other day he took a little respite. Yeah, maybe he went to like a little chateau in the French Alps. I don't know. Get, get some quality time with, with the devil. You know, get away and dwell on Satan. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, this is what's going on there. And I've heard more than one account of people going to these things and coming away in almost like a zombie stupefied state. I've seen people, there was this one video I sent out the other day where these guys had just come from there and they were in Denny's. They were going out to eat afterward. Oh, I know, I've been there and done it. I've been the whole Pentecostal route and went to the Perkins and Denny's afterward and made a spectacle out of myself. Oh, yeah, I was I was zealous, yeah. Misguided zeal, but nonetheless zealous. But these guys were in an absolute, total, drunken, stupor-like state. They looked like they were. it was a combination of alcohol and drugs they had ingested in large quantities. They were absolutely incoherent. And these were the same spirits that were just imparted to them. And because it feels good, they think it's of God. Oh, it can't be of the devil. It feels too good. And these people are taking this, these demons back to their own church and infecting their churches. Because they're going to turn around and laying hands on the people. And sometimes they're getting healed. Or at least temporarily, or supposedly. But remember, that's the chief way the devil is going to work. Through miracles, signs and wonders. That's the way he's going to deceive. So if those miracles don't line up with the word of God, you don't want anything to do with them unless you want to go on the Adopt-A-Demon program. Because that's what you're doing. You're adopting demons. 
And these are very strong ones. They're not like, you know, the garden variety demon. These are strong ones, okay? There's different levels and grades. And the stuff that's coming out with Todd Bentley, these are very formidable ones. Not something you want to be putting yourself under. So, if we go further, in the 70s, you could not find the occult system operating in the open in America in the 1970s. There were no big hands along mainline byways advertising local fortune tellers or psychics as there are today. You had to know someone to find them because they were operating underground because it was against the law in many places. There were laws in every state of the Union against these things at the time. A few books had made their way onto talk shows such as Gene Dixon's A Gift of Prophecy, and a few others. These various occult books were found at the corner drug stores and supermarkets and are around the country. Thus began the journey onto the road of the witchcraft revolution. Movies such as Rosemary's Baby, The Exorcist, began a descent down a dark pathway of no return. Now a lot of people, I remember I went up onto a satanic chat room one time, and they were talking about when did they have their first entryway into the occult, particularly, this was this was First Church of Satan chat room. Now, I don't advise you go up there, okay? They really weren't talking about anything inappropriate, to be honest. They, they were just talking, but they were talking about their first foray into Satanism and the occult. And they said, many of them said the same testimony, that it was when I watched this horror movie, or that horror movie, that I was changed or this slasher movie, that was when I became possessed, or when I really got the spark to become a witch. Hollywood knows this. The devil knows this. He uses those movies as doorways into the occult. So just bear that in mind. The youth, and then it goes on in this article to say, the youth were being captured by witchcraft movies and cartoons. Also, satanic rock records raged. raged. Millions were captured by the power of darkness. The end-time system of witchcraft has now exploded, and you can see it everywhere. America grew dark, and the Christian church slept through the great witchcraft awakening. Thus, many of its leaders have fallen into the darkness, and some have even become practitioners of those dark powers. The Christian church in the West would like to believe the devil is dead. There's, there's certain sects of Christianity that believe that. Oh, the devil's dead. He's bound. He's bound. Who, who believes that, Doug? Uh, Amillennialists. Amillennialists. They believe that. Oh, the devil's bound. No threat to us. Okay. If he's bound, boy, there sure is a lot of stuff going on outside of his, you know... <laughs> jurisdiction. And then it says, the, uh, the, the West would like to believe the devil is dead, or perhaps he only lives in a pagan, in pagan foreign countries. However, the devil is alive and thriving in the West. He has a great army of demonic slaves who are very, very busy capturing millions. Let us look at a former witch doctor, Bishop Vaglas Kenko, and his testimony into the, this demonic reality. Bishop Conco describes his relations with the demonic world while he practiced witchcraft. And then he says, quote, I, never, I had lived with the demons ever since I can remember. Some were my friends, while others were my enemies. So you have to understand, these are called familiar spirits many times. 
Some of them will appear like your good buddies. Some of them, them will appear like they're your enemies. It's kind of like good cop, bad cop, except in this case it's good demon, bad demon. Like white and black witchcraft, okay? It's all, it's all evil. But these are things that he grew up with. It, then he says, demons never talked in terms of love. I personally did not think in those terms either. I had met, I had a demonized heart, very hard and very cold. The demons would torture and hurt me if I failed to obey them. Now this is something I've seen read many times about witches. Particularly if they get really into the high level stuff. See, the further you go in, the more enslaved you really are. Okay? People that are into like the white little peripheral witchcraft on the outskirts that haven't been doing it that long, they, don't, they wouldn't understand this yet. But if they stay in it, and the devils keep getting more and more hooks into them, and they get, particularly if they get into the darker stuff, now the demons start exacting a very, very heavy price, and in basically the person that's possessed becomes like a puppet on a string. And if they don't do as they're told, they, be, get, they get tortured by the actual demons. And then he says, sometimes I would fear them, while other times I felt safe with them. Many times I experienced seeing demons leaving bruises, cuts, and bites inflicted on human bodies. Now, I, this is a very common theme in a lot of these ghost stories, where people show up and they'll have big scratch marks on them and things of this nature, and they appear out of nowhere. And then he says, I saw them throwing objects used to block the blessings of the, quote, rebellious people, which is a term Satan called Christians, the rebellious people. Well, we're the rebellious people. Okay, right. The Bible says rebellion is as, the, is as of the sin of witchcraft. So I think he's got it a little bit crossed around there. The devil does. You know, I, I hate to correct the devil, but, you know, sorry. I, I, I had to, you know, do that. Sorry, just teasing there. Anyway, it says, Demons enjoy opening and closing doors and windows, hurling of books and stones, setting fires, projecting through the air, and many other things. Did you realize that? All this stuff about poltergeist activity and ghost stories, all that is is demonic activity. It's not good angels. Oh yes, the good angels are really concerned with going around and appearing as, as people that lived in a former life. and Those are familiar spirits. Okay, They were familiar with a person that had died previously. They show up and look just like them. Maybe it's in a mist form. Maybe it's in a solid form. I don't really care. That person is either in heaven or hell, and most likely, if a person, I, I would have to say the vast majority of these people that supposedly show up in these ghost stories are probably in hell. Okay, because the Bible says, narrow is the way which leads to life eternal, and few there be that find it. But, demons and fallen angels and these types of entities can do these things. Okay? Notice that it said setting of fires. Did you know they can do that? There's a particular type of witchcraft curse, and if you're at a high enough level, you can do it, and it has to do with fire, the, the actual um, setting of fires. Have you ever heard of the term spontaneous combustion? Okay, what part of earth has more spontaneous combustion accidents than any other part of the earth? England. England does. Okay, what part of the earth has more witches per capita than any other part of the earth? England. What part of the earth also has more haunted houses per capita than any other spot on earth? England. What is considered essentially the witchcraft capital of the earth? England. Also the place on earth that has the highest 
Big Brother surveillance system going. Cameras everywhere. England is an absolute hotbed for this type of activity. Okay? Isn't that kind of weird they have more spontaneous combustion accidents than any other part on Earth? What is spontaneous combustion? It is where, and this is documented, I'm not making this stuff up, I've, I've seen, there's been many things on TV about it. There's, they, from a police standpoint, they have never ever been able to explain it whatsoever. Other than they say, well maybe there was a slow propane leak somewhere in the house, and they ingested it for, you know, like five years, and it finally got to a point where they just blew up. Okay, whatever. That, to me, doesn't sound too plausible because I believe the propane gas would have killed you long before you blew up. There are people that turn up where, like, well, Uncle Jed, we haven't seen him. Well, they go to, they go to his house and they find that Uncle Jed is in his bed and his body is incinerated. The only thing left are his feet and his hands. That's usually how it goes down. Nothing else in the room has been touched with fire. It's not like they get, they, they just, it's like spontaneous combustion. They start burning alive while on this earth, they don't burn up the bed, their clothes get burned up, but that's about it. It normally does not cause a fire that burns down the house. I've never seen that happen ever. Now that in and of itself is kind of strange. Considering that mattresses and sheets are highly flammable most of the time. Yet, in these cases, whether they be on a couch, or a chair, or wherever they're at, they get burned up, usually their hands and feet are left, they're burned to a crisp, and nobody can explain why. That's a fire curse in witchcraft. It's no wonder that it takes place more often in England, where we have the highest per capita amount of witches than any other spot on earth. You see what I'm trying to do? I'm trying to get you to understand this battle is real. We battle not against flesh and blood, but against princes, principalities, rulers of wickedness in high places. Who does a witch invoke to do such a thing? They don't do it in and of themselves. They have to invoke a demon or a fallen angel to do something like this, in order to, to do their bidding. So they go through this elaborate fire curse ritual, and if the circumstances are right, particularly if the person is not a Christian, there's a pretty good likelihood that it will happen. Now, understand something. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Okay, I'm not telling you to go around and fear this at all. Because you have greater power if you have the Holy Spirit living inside you. And the more versed you are in the Word of God, the bigger your faith is going to be. So now we have our implements of battle that we go into battle with. You know, the breastplate of righteousness, loins girded with truth, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel peace, putting on the helmet of salvation, and taking up the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit. And it says, above all, taking up the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And then it goes on to say, praying with all supplication for the saints. These are our implements of warfare. Notice there's only one offensive weapon. It is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, the sword of the Spirit is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to the dividing of the soul and spirit and the joint and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's the sword of the spirit. It's not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. Jeremiah 23, 29. It's not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. Does that sound like an offensive weapon to you? 
Yes, it is. That is how you go into battle as a Christian, with the sword of the Spirit. How did Jesus contend with the devil in the wilderness? We're talking the top, top, top evil entity. Satan himself. How did Jesus Christ, did he go through like this elaborate retreat at some Pentecostal place, like where they could like pray through the 1040 window and, and do all these things and get anointed with holy water and make sure he's all fired up and worked up and listen to Christian rock and do all his program? No, no. He fasted and he prayed and he quoted scripture. We, we don't have to get complicated. It really can be that simple. And there's certain demons and devils that when you contend with, they don't, you can't affect them unless you pray and fast. It says it. It says, this kind cometh out not but by prayer and fasting. Jesus said that. When the apostles couldn't cast out a certain type of demon. That's what he told them. This kind. See, there's different kinds of demons. There's different hierarchies. There's different levels of power. Praying and fasting. I've really gone back to this. People email me a lot. And they're saying, how do I deal with this? How do I deal with that? I'll tell you one thing you can always do that's like a no-brainer. Pray and fast. And, and particularly if you have other people that are like-minded and right with God, praying and fasting with you. The Bible talks about one being able to put a thousand to flight and two ten thousand. Okay, there's, there's a scriptural, you understand, there's a scriptural precedence. A three-fold cord, a, a three cord is not easily broken. There's, there's things you can look at in scripture where, it, you know, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. So, it is better if you have people working with you. If we could get the remnant on the same page and start praying and fasting about these types of things. Now remember, we're the body of Christ. We're not all called to do the same thing at the same time, same place. I mean, yes, we are called to pray and fast at certain times. But my emphasis may be a little bit different than somebody who's called to, let's say, do a lot of praying and intercessing. Whereas I'm trying to warn the remnant and be a watchman and I'm devoted a lot of my time to answering questions and studying. Now it doesn't give me a, an excuse not to ever pray or read the word of God. Okay, so we have to balance as well, but we are the body of Christ. If we could all get on the same page, imagine what we could accomplish. Imagine. And I don't mean denominational same page, because that's not biblical. I don't see any Bible for having all these separate distinct denominations. And I'm not saying there weren't some, there were some godly Denominations, particularly that, you know, like the Catholics slaughtered and these types of things. I'm just saying, Bible-believing Christians, born-again Christians, who read the King James Bible, if we could get on the same page, praying against wickedness, understanding the power of imprecatory prayers, like Psalm 64, and I've done a whole study on that, imprecatory prayers. We're talking, you know, I really believe the body of Christ could move mountains, Jesus said, if you have the faith of a, of a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds, you can say unto this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea. So it's just something to think about there. But understand, this battle is very real. So we have the sword of the Spirit, and then it says, above all, taking up the shield of faith, wherewith you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Now this is said in Ephesians 6. Okay, so now, if you're thinking, well, what if they, what if they shoot their arrows with me? Huh? The Bible talks about that in Psalm 64. They bend their bows to shoot their arrows. Even bitter words. That they may shoot in secret at the perfect. Even bitter words. This would be probably more along the lines from a witchcraft standpoint of curses. They're cursing you. You have nothing to fear. If you have the shield of faith. Particularly if it's big. 
What do you mean big? Okay, let's look at this. When you were first saved, you started out, okay, you got saved. You're not versed in the Word. You're not this, you're not that. From a spiritual standpoint, your faith is smaller now, hopefully, or it was smaller then, than it is now. Let's say your faith is ten times as big for argument's sake. I like to really look at these things kind of literally. Okay, so if your faith is bigger now, wouldn't that mean your shield is bigger? The shield of faith, wherewith you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. These are spiritual weapons we're talking about here. Remember, we battle not against flesh and blood. So, the bigger your faith is, the more darts you're going to be able to quench. The more, the more attacks from the enemy you're going to be able to get through. Kind of an interesting thought. Remember, how do you get a bigger shield? Well, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Play the King James Bible in your house 24-7. It's been playing in mind for years. You want bigger faith? Listen to the Word of God. Something interesting. You want a bigger shield? Listen to the Word of God. It's that simple. This stuff isn't complicated. It's really not what we're dealing with. You don't have to go on some, you know, eight-week retreat with Benny Hinn Go into the, the, you know, the Holy Land so he can tell you the finer points of the garden tomb. You're not going to do all that. It's all within the Word of God. It's all you need. So let's go further. Uh, this witch doctor goes on to say, I've, I've often witnessed those killing people and throwing human beings around. In other words, he's witnessed demons doing this. Now these are people that were unsaved, Witches who had maybe failed on a mission. They had no protection whatsoever. Imagine being stripped of all the armor you have as a Christian. And you're given over to Satan. He could do with you whatever he wants to do. I mean, as long as God permits it. Now, by doing that, what it would do is intimidate other people that are involved in witchcraft. Saying, man, I don't want to mess with this demon because look what he did to old Fred over here. He turned him inside out or whatever he did to him. They can literally do that. I have heard accounts, particularly of voodoo, being able to turn people inside out. Bugs crawling out of them and all kind of stuff. Don't be afraid of it. I went, I don't want to say this in a bragging way, but I, I did go head to head with a voodoo high priest witch doctor at one time. God's had me deal with all kind of witches. I've had more dealings with witches that I've never even brought up here. And I won, praise the Lord, through the Lord Jesus Christ. And this witch doctor did everything to try to kill me. Put a death curse on me. Did all kind of stuff. I, I've told that story another... Maybe should, should I tell it again? Alright, I'll tell it again for people that haven't heard it. So I'm working at this chiropractic clinic that I was at. And we were doing personal injury. I found out that the clinic right across the way from me was staging accidents and doing all this really underhanded stuff. Okay, they were they were paying for patients, staging accidents. All these people were like, they would go out and they'd rent rental cars, they'd get in accidents, they'd get in these things, and they were making all kind of money. Well, I found out about it. I went right to the police. 
I, I, I can't stand wickedness. I went right to the police. They didn't care. They went to the FBI. Uh, they didn't care either, hardly. Well, the thing about it was, is they found out I was doing this. So, they hired a witch doctor. A voodoo high priest witch doctor. This was a Haitian clinic. They were specializing in Haitians. You ever dealt with Haitians? It's a different deal altogether. Now, I'm not trying to come down on the whole race. I'm just saying that it's a proven fact that if you statistically study Haiti, 97% of the people that live there practice voodoo. 97 or 96. And like 99% of them are Catholic. Why? Because the two religions are so compatible. Doesn't that tell you a little bit about Catholicism? You know? No, there's no contradiction here. We've got our idols. We've got this. We've got that. We've got all of our sacraments. So, what ends up happening is, is they hire this witch doctor. And I, I remember the lady worked with us. She actually went over there and found this out. She brought back this guy's business card. He had a business card. And I remember seeing the card. It was a white card, red lettering. Had a pentagram on it. And around the pentagram were all these little like potion things and crystals. And, and then it said, uh, Temple of Jenzenga. I forget the guy's name, but it was Temple of Jinzenga, and it said, High Priest of Vudan. So they, this guy had been hired to take me out, because he, they found out I was turning them in. So I said, I said, this don't intimidate me. I said, my God's bigger than anything this guy can throw at me. I really, I like the challenge, whatever. So they start doing all kind of stuff to the clinic that I'm at. They're putting this orange paste on my door, and then one night they broke in, they broke in the side window, and the guy comes in, and he, and he puts this white voodoo witch powder all over the office, and he, they turned my chair upside down, they, did, they stole a couple things. Nothing happens. Now, the people that are working there, we had a couple people that were working there, and they were really freaked out. Really, really freaked out. And they were being, one. the one guy was being affected a little bit physically, but these people were not Christians. Okay, they weren't. They said they were, but they really weren't. They had no faith whatsoever. They were way more afraid of this voodoo stuff than they were of of anything else. So finally, I'm in the I'm in the office one day, and it's the middle of summer. I'm in full dress clothes, tie and everything, and I get this conviction. Now I'm not saying God came down in a cloud and told me this, but I'm telling you right now, I had a strong conviction to walk outside. And then go to the back of the clinic. Now the back of the clinic was a little narrow walkway where the air conditioners were. Okay, it was like a mulch bed there. Really no reason for me to be out there in the middle of summer in southwest Florida, you know, 98 degrees probably. Well, I walk out there and I'm, I'm walking around this back pathway, which I'd never done before. Not just for no reason. And... I look down, I get this conviction, I need to look down. I look down, and there's this piece of visqueen, which is this black tarp stuff that you put mulch over. And I had this urge, or conviction, to move this piece of visqueen aside. So I kind of pushed it aside with my, I believe it was my right foot. And, it, and after I pushed it aside, I noticed that buried face down was this bottle. And this bottle was just there, and I could tell it was kind of freshly buried. And I'm like, what is this? So I reach down, I pull it up, I'm looking at the bottom, and it said, Haiti. Haiti? Yeah, Haiti. And then I turn it on its side, and it says R-H-U-M, which is French for rum. 
Now, in Haiti, they speak either French or French Creole. When my patients always used to come in, I would say, Kikote kifam out, which means, where does it hurt worst? See, I'm, I'm, I'm bilingual. Sorry, I, I didn't want to brag. That's about all I did know. Anyway, so if we go further, I turn it, then I turn it all the way right side up, and there's a red cap with a white star that spans the length of the cap. It's like a pentagram, essentially. So I'm thinking, this is Haitian rum with a pentagram on the cap. Buried upside down with the label removed. I'm like, what is this? I figured it's some Haitian curse or whatever. So I bring it around to the side. And uh, we had a guy working there. His name was Abner. And he was Haitian. And he saw that thing. And he went ballistic. Mr. Christian. They all call themselves Christians. Oh yeah, right. He went nuts. He was screaming, oh, what did you, I can't believe you touched that. And he was, he, and then I put it down, and he starts spitting on the bottle. Like, that's going to help. Then, he goes inside, and he gets one of those plastic bags, you get it like Walmart, so he doesn't touch the bottle physically, and he gets it, and he gets in his car, and he whisks it away. I really regret that, for a couple of reasons. What I was going to do, and, but Abner was just like insistent on getting this thing out of there. What I was going to do is take the bottle back across the way and put it on the front desk and say, I think you, I think you left something. Here, I think you lost this. That's what I would have liked to have done. But I, and then the, the other lady, another lady came out and saw the bottle and she went ballistic as well. Oh, we're all going to die. All this other stuff. And I kept telling them, like, my God's bigger than this. I said, I don't care. What they do, my God is bigger. This does not intimidate me. This doesn't scare me. In fact, all it does is really fire me up. Well, nothing happened. I will say this. I just found out about a year ago in the newspaper, Abner had been shot in the head, had his brains blown out. I mean, I'm literally, that's what happened. Now, I don't know if it was any residual from that, but see... The curse would have an effect on him, whereas I, it did not. My faith was great enough. I was saved. I had the Holy Spirit living inside me. It did not affect me. I'm telling you, that's the strength that we all should be operating in. And I'm not saying I'm anything special. I'm just saying we, we should all be doing this. This is a challenge. It's like an, it's like a, an adventure. Well, they ended up, end up closing down that clinic. Now, I don't ever know what happened to the witch doctor. Um, but they ended up closing down and we ended up staying. So, later, the one lady, the one other lady that I had talked about who saw the bottle that went nuts, she came to me and she was apologizing because she had acted very inappropriate during this time because the curses probably were having an effect on her. And she said to me, she said, um, my uncle is a voodoo witch doctor in Okeechobee. And she said, um, he knows every witch doctor from here to, from here to uh, Miami. And she said that it was well known that this, what they were trying to do to you, how they were trying to take you out, kill you, it was known from every witch doctor from Fort Myers all the way over to Miami, which is all the way across the state from where I live, that they were trying to kill you. And I thought, you know... Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, 
Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. They weren't able to do nothing to me, ultimately. You know, you go through something like that, and all it can do is strengthen your faith. I'm glad I went through it. That's the battle we're all called to. It's a battle not against flesh and blood. See, it didn't matter what they threw at me. It wasn't going to affect me. Now, if I'm living in abject sin, and I've got all kind of doorways open for the devil, well, don't expect the same level of protection. But that's just one little story. I've dealt with more witches, particularly female witches, than, you know, as my grandma would say, you could shake a stick at. God has had me in those situations that I did not ask for, I believe, to prepare me for the time that's coming. Why would he be so consumed with preparing me to deal with witchcraft? Well, maybe because the Bible says in Daniel that when the Antichrist arises, he is going to cause craft, witchcraft, to prosper. When you hear the word the craft, that's an acronym for witchcraft. Isn't there like a TV show called The Craft or something? Or there's there's a there's a the, one of the witches' main Bibles is called The Craft. So the one world religion of Antichrist, in its true essence, is going to be witchcraft. Oh no, it's going to be repackaged Catholicism. You know what? Catholicism is witchcraft. It is, and so is Buddhism, and so is Hinduism. They've just got different veneers on them. Most of what's going on up in Todd Bentley's, that's witchcraft too right now. I'm telling you, that's the one world religion of Antichrist. Why do you think they're shoving Harry Potter down the kid's throat? Lord of the Rings, all of C.S. Lewis's movies coming out. Why do you think I fight it so hard? Because there's not a lot of ministries that do. I'm not putting other ministries down. I'm just saying, that's my calling as a watchman. It's real. It's real, and it's the real battle that we're in. Now, when you finally get a hold of this, as a Christian... Really, I think it's, I'm not going to say neat, but it's like the battle to which we're called. Okay? As a good soldier. You know, the Bible talks about being a good soldier for Christ. These types of things. This is why it says, put on the full armor of God. We battle not against flesh and blood. These types of things. If you get a hold of this, really, in a lot of ways, the Christian life turns into an adventure. I try to find the most occultic places I can go to pray. To pray over that land. Why? Because the Bible says the blood of the innocents defiles the land. Many times these are places where blood sacrifices were done. Are we as Christians just to cower from those types of things and say, Oh no, I don't want anything to do with it. Satan can have that land. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and all they that dwell therein. It's like when David faced Goliath and he said, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine who brings this railing accusation against the Lord and his people? Honestly, that's how I think we should feel. The devil is taking over on this earth, and yes, the Bible predicts it's going to happen, but does that mean we just sit back and do nothing? I think, I think we should be fighting. Offensively. With the Word of God. Quote Scripture. Pray the Psalms. Don't do it in such a way where you want to see everybody thrust down to hell so you can exact revenge on your enemies. I'm not saying you pray that way. But that all men would see and fear and declare the work of God that they would wisely consider of His doing. Pray for godly sorrow to fall upon these people. But let me tell you something. The wicked who are appointed under wrath, who are vessels fitted for God's destruction, 
are going to be wicked no matter what you do. The wheat and the tares that grow up together, how can a tear ever get converted to wheat? It is, it is not of that kind. You can only pr- bring forth after your own kind. The Bible says the wicked go astray from the womb, speaking lies as soon as they are born. What can you do about that? Their vessels appointed a wrath fitted for God's destruction. Now, I'm not going to get into a debate about Calvinism and all this other stuff. okay? But I'm telling you, the Bible's very, very clear on that point. So, if they're going to just go on sinning and living like the devil, and taking as many people to hell with them, what would be more merciful? Would it be more merciful just to let them live that life and take as many people to hell? Or would it be more merciful for God to judge that person in this lifetime that all men would see and fear and declare the work of God, that they would wisely consider his doing, that the righteous would be glad in the Lord and rejoice, and all the upright in heart would glory, like Psalm 64 says. What would be more merciful? Well, when Ananias and Sapphira were struck dead, what was the fruit of that? Well, many feared God, and many got converted, and many lived righteous lives because of the fear of God and for what they saw. Okay? It's always good when God's judgment comes upon the wicked. Always a good thing for the righteous. Every time. Always it always bears good fruit. Yet we never pray in that regard. We don't want to pray that way. You know, oh no, no, that's too militant for me. Well, I I do believe there's we need to have biblical balance. So if we go back to this article, Bishop Kanko goes on to say the demons filled my dreams with their presence. Um, these aren't Christmas presents. These are their presents. You know what I mean? Okay. Anyway, sorry. Uh, they usually took me into other worlds and ethereally showed me things that are indescribable. Now listen to this. All these people that have these out-of-body experiences, oh, I went to the light. I had this out-of-body experience. I went to the light or I, or I had this near-death experience. I went to the light. I lived like the devil. I hated God my whole life. And yet... When I died, I went to the light and I saw all my relatives and all this other stuff. Do you understand the devil can do all of that? The devil is the master deceiver. He can do that. This, these demons were taking this guy to other worlds and ethereally... No, no, that's a word you need to use more. Ethereally. Ethereally showing me things that are indescribable. They can do this kind of stuff if you have enough open doors. Just like if a person has their what they call their third eye opened. You know? They have their third eye open, they can see into the spirit world. From the research I've seen, it has to do with uh, destroying the link between soul and spirit, or, or messing it up. And then he says, yes, the demons are undeniable, but now I've come to know the reality of Jesus Christ. However, the church needs to be aware not only of the demonic power that is motivating the physical world, but also the sovereign power of Jesus Christ that is over them. All these people that get abducted on these aliens, there's, now there's a whole research, there's been tons of research done on this by a research group called CE4 Research. These people that get abducted, um, if they are Christians, if they cry out to Jesus Christ, the abduction stops every single time. Do you think of these abductions experiences, there's no merit to them? When 2-3% to 3% of the population said this has happened to them? 
Just because they're not out waving their arms everywhere, it's a kind of an embarrassing thing, you know? I mean, it's not like something you get a t-shirt. I was an alien abductee. And proud of it. No, that's not typically the t-shirt you want to wear. So they're not coming out, but these people that are crying out to Jesus Christ during these experiences, the abductions stop instantaneously. Every time. If it's a true Christian. Every time. And they typically don't ever occur again. So all these people that are having this problem happen repetitively over and over, most of them are actually involved in the occult, or in the New Age, or have all kind of generational curses or whatever in their lineage. That's the open door. I've tried to tell this to these people. They don't want to hear it. Oh no, anything but getting saved. I would rather the demons, or the aliens, or these things posing as aliens come and abduct me, rather than get saved, is what they're saying. But see, that's the power of Jesus Christ. Now, this is really heavy duty, particularly if you're listening to me for the first time. I tend to overwhelm people. I think it's my specialty. Sorry, just kidding, teasing. Um, But understand, this is the battle that if you don't want to face it now, you're going to have to face it at some time in the near future. It's it's this militant. The stuff that I'm talking about today, the battle that we're going into is going to be more militant than what I'm even describing. Because I haven't even been there. It's not like I can say I've been there, done it. None of us have been there yet. Evil men and seducers are waxing worse and worse. The word wax means to grow. Deceiving and being deceived. Lying signs and wonders. All these things. You just have to be grounded in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says, I believe behind every activity in the world that is not of God, it is demonic. I can point to the invisible spirit that hides the demonic power. The Antichrist spirit is motivating this evil power. That was the end of the quote from this particular man. I'm going to go ahead and end part one there, and we'll go to part two next. Actually, this would be, theoretically, I think part three, because this is a continuation from last week's. So, we'll see you in the next part.